This is Leewood Online, a ministry of Leewood Baptist Church, located in the Kansas City area. For more information about us, visit us online at www.leewoodbaptist.com. All right, pray with me one more time. Father, now as we turn to your word, would you help us? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us in ways that we um, move towards your heart? This idea of prayer is like a profound thing that we actually get to talk to you. We've already done it. We actually brought our cares and our concerns. And so there's a part of that that's fairly amazing just to stop and think that the God of the universe is accessible to us, that the infinite is so available to the finite is actually beautiful, but it almost feels maybe too good to be true sometimes. So for those in the room who that feels like a fairy tale or it feels like a nice idea, but they have a hard time actually assessing it in their own heart, or those who feel like, man, I've heard that, but I never see it actually work, would you come now and speak and grant faith and show yourself in a clear ways where they actually experience you? For those who are weary, for those who need help, for those who are, are longing, would you come, come close? Uh, for those who need correction, would you be near? And God, for those of us who just need encouragement, um, who, who, as we engage with you, we're, we're growing and we sense um, you, you speaking to us as we speak to you. Uh, would you just continue to foster our affections towards you and grow us in maturity this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So Matthew chapter 6. So we were in it last week, and last week we titled the sermon, like, Why Pray? And I just tried to own the fact that it's actually pretty mysterious for us. We wanted to elevate it in some way to say, this actually is you talking to God. You, little you, finite you, who has trouble actually tying their emotional shoes, you, God actually listens to. So that's a huge thing to stop and go, I'm not just going through some spiritual disciplines. I'm not checking a box. I am talking to the God of the universe. And as that elevates for us and starts to feel like, oh my gosh, it kind of blows my mind, I also want to demystify it a little bit because Jesus says this God you're praying to is your father. So he takes this huge God who spins the stars into existence, and he says, hey, you're talking to your dad. When you pray, it's a personal thing. You're not performing some religious ritual. You're not trying to earn something with your right words. You're not proving anything publicly. You're simply talking to your dad. So we talked about why pray, and it was that God already hears, he already sees, he knows what you need. So those relational risks we feel of, if I share this with you, do you even care? If I say this, are you going to understand? If I shared my heart, am I just going to be hung out there? And like, maybe you respond great, maybe you don't. So that, that insecurity we have in other relationships, what Jesus is saying is, just catch that in verse 6, he already sees in secret, and he already is in secret, So he's already present and he already knows what you need. Therefore, come to your father and, and simply ask. And so Jesus gives some warnings or kind of two temptations for us. One is to use prayer in verse 5 as a way to impress other people, as if we were praying to them or trying to earn something from them. So there's this kind of impressing others or managing our identity that happens through prayer. And he says, hey, don't do that. Don't just pray out loud for the people to be amazed because they they actually might be amazed and that's all you'll ever get, which that won't satisfy your longings. You need something much, much deeper. You need God himself. And so one temptation is to pray for other people to impress them. The other one in verse 7 is to pray what he calls empty phrases. And the King James took an alliteration of the word and called it empty babble. 
These empty words, this babbling that happens, just kind of repeating phrases over and over again. And if you think about the first century and you think about pagan rituals and temples and spells and voodoo and that kind of thing, it is almost like a superstitious, if I just keep saying this, eventually it's going to work. If I say it 101 times and finally I'll get God's attention. So there's this temptation in the ancient world to try to manipulate and manage the gods through their behavior, through their prayers. And Jesus is saying, man, don't do that. God already sees. He already knows. He's moving towards you in the kingdom of God. You don't have to pray empty phrases to try to get his attention and kind of conjure up something. Just actually bring your heart to the Father. And so, so we said this is personal, not performative. He's putting us in a context of relationships. So, so why pray? Man, you get to for one, and, and you're praying to a God who actually cares about you, already knows what you need, and has all the power in the universe. So this star slinger God who is so far and different than you is mindful of you, and all of that power to sling the stars is actually available as you pray and ask for his help with your family, with your marriage, with your job, with your body, with our world, with COVID, with all the things that you're stressed about. The resurrection power of God is actually available. So man, begin to pray. So, so we said that, and maybe you hear that and go like, that sounds awesome. I still don't know how to do that. So, so this morning, I want to talk about how to pray. And again, I think to be practical, to have some other voices up here to say, here's how, here's how I learned how to pray. Here's what's hard for me about prayer. Here's some, some ideas. So I could give you like 10 tips on prayer, but I'd rather these three ladies kind of share with you. But before they come, I just want to orient us just a little bit. So let me just say a couple things about what Jesus is not saying from last week. He's not saying that we can't pray in public. We see throughout the scriptures like these public prayers. So he's not saying never pray in public. And some have taken this passage too far and done that. But that actually wouldn't fit Jesus' pattern or what we see in the New Testament or, or, or the Old Testament. Nor is he saying you can't pray for very long. I mean, you're actually supposed to pour out your heart. Jesus will tell some stories of, of continuing to intercede and coming to the Father over and over and over again. Not to manage him, but to pour out your heart. And it must be that God is changing us on the inside as we pour out our heart to him. So, so it's not a, a forbidding us to pray for a long time. Like you're going, hey, I'm seven minutes in, I'm done, I'm out. Or seven seconds in and out. It's like, and you can actually pour out your heart. God is not bored with you. He's not checking his watch going, hey, you got to wrap this up. i got some stuff to do. He's listening to you. He cares about what you're saying, right? So it's not that you can't pray in public. It's not that you can't pray for a long time. It's also not that you can't let people know you're praying for them. Jesus says, don't, don't pray to be seen by people, but that's different than to be seen praying or to let somebody know, hey, man, I'm praying for you today. I think in our community, I would love for us to be the kind of place that we're actually actively praying for each other and we encourage each other by saying, hey, I'm praying for you today. Like, I know you got the surgery. I know you got to deal with your family. I know you got the thing with your job. I know you're starting school. I know this, this mandate just came down and it's pretty stressful for your small business. I, I'm praying for you. To let them know that, I think, is a beautiful community thing. For our members, we actually give a, a prayer guide. It's our member directory. And I want them tucking in their Bibles where they're just flipping through praying for each other. And so this morning, I just sent a text to somebody that I prayed for and just said, hey, pray for you this morning. I miss seeing you. I care about you. Can we connect sometime soon? Just to say, hey, you're on my mind. I care. And I'm, I'm interceding for you. I think that is really encouraging. Now, if you struggle with being seen by people, if you find identity there and you're firing off all kinds of text and not praying, then don't, don't do that for a season. Take 30 days fast from being seen like that, set aside lots of time to pray, reset your heart, 
And then as God heals that wound of trying to be seen, then just jump back in and pray for your brothers and sisters, right? So, so you can govern your own heart. You know what's going on inside there. And so don't, don't be shy, though, to tell people that you're praying. So Jesus is not saying don't tell people. And he's not saying that you can't have guides or examples or things that would give you words to pray. He warns against empty phrases. And sometimes people have read this, uh, there shouldn't be any liturgies. There shouldn't be any like uh, formed prayers. There shouldn't be anything that I've thought through ahead of time. Even like, like the Book of Common Prayer or in the old Baptist hymnal, there's, there's liturgies in that Baptist hymnal. So, so some have said, don't do that. Those are like sterile canned phrases. You should only pray spontaneous prayers. I don't think he means that, especially because he's going to give us a template and outline in verses 9 to 14. He's going to say, hey, when you pray, pray like this. Here's a great example of how to pray. So he's not saying that we can't pray examples of prayer. Okay, so so I want to get those out of the way, because I think as we try to grasp hold of something, often saying what it's not is pretty helpful, and we're fairly confused. We just have got lots of different advice, lots of different things in our own heart. We interpret things and therefore create meaning, and sometimes we interpret it wrongly. And so to take some time just to go, how do I actually move forward? So, so today what I want to do is talk about praying Scripture as a way to kind of have an antidote to these two warnings. So you're not trying to impress other people, and you're not trying to manage God. So pray what he's told you to pray as an example, as a way to grow your heart, as a way to actually engage with him. So I want to just aim there, and I want to give you four P's of like how that's helpful to us. But let me give you an illustration first. I actually left it at my office. Some of you guys have those... Um, like conversation starters or open-ended questions. Like I have one, it's called Family Talk. It's, they're orange, it's on a little key ring. And it's like 50 questions. Or maybe like you've got this 21 great questions for your first date. Or you've got 50 questions to ask your preschooler. Or you've got those kind of like sample packs, you know what I'm talking about? That are like open-ended questions and you just phone, phone through them and ask the question. So we use that like in our car for car rides. And my kids are a senior in high school and a freshman in high school. And we're still using that kind of God. And so we'll have the dinner table sometimes. Uh, we'll use it on dates. Sometimes I told you guys this, this pattern of like dating my kids. And so when they were little, I would go through that thing ahead of time, just pull one question. They didn't know I'd done that. And I just asked this open-ended question. And the whole idea behind that is to keep you from getting stuck in a rut, right? It's because if you don't, you'll ask the same question. How's your day? Fine. Yeah, okay. Uh, what happened? Nothing. Yeah, okay. And you just kind of stop right there, right? So we're learning to say God's relational, but sometimes we pray like that. Um, did my job, and I'm sorry, and forgive me, and I love you, and I'm done, and we're, and we're out. So what if there's a way, like a, that little pack of cards, to expand our understanding of how to engage some more open-ended questions that would help us dialogue with the person, right? Because our problem with connecting with God is not unique. We also have problems connecting with each other. So the more I walk with couples and singles and parents and kids, the more I understand we're having a hard time just engaging, looking people in the eye, hearing their heart, understanding what's going on. And sometimes the questions we ask feel fairly repetitive. And so because they feel repetitive, they start to feel rote, and we just kind of phone in the right answers, and then, and then we move on. And so praying the scriptures, I want you to have the illustration in your mind, is like one of those little decks of cards. Now, the illustration will break way down. I don't mean to say the eternal word of God given to us by the Holy Spirit is like a little deck of cards that you kind of are engaged in. It's way more than that. But as an illustration to go, the scriptures actually give us lots of things to pray about, lots of ways to pray, lots of examples to pray, to help us grow in our experience of how we relate to God. Same way a parent would use that with a child or you use that on your dates to go, let me ask a question about where did you grow up? What was your favorite 
animal? What, what are you longing for? If you could change one thing about our family, what's your most valuable possession? Those kinds of questions open up more understanding of the other person. So the scriptures give us more understanding even of who God is as we engage it like that. Okay, so that's my, my suggestion to you is to step towards actually praying the scriptures. Let me give you four reasons why. First one is this. Praying the scriptures will broaden your perspective of the world. Praying the scriptures will broaden and expand your perspective of the world. And what I mean by that is the entire Bible is meant to shape our hearts, to tell us what's valuable, what's important, what's true about us, what's true about God. How does God actually work? What do I do with what I experience and how do I interpret that? The scriptures are aimed at telling us who God is, who we are, what we need from him, and how we should respond. And, and it shapes our values. It says things like, forgive your enemies. And you're like, nothing in our world is going to teach you that. I mean, like, you do not learn forgive your enemies from Instagram, right? That's not a place where you're going to pick up that habit. But the scriptures say you should actually pray for those who persecute you. So it's this mind-bending, reorienting reality as we engage the scriptures to shape and broaden and expand our whole perspective, which has massive implications for what you're praying for. So let the scriptures actually expand your perspective. It changes your values. Friends, here's the deal. Our world has abused us for a long, long time. If abuse is forcing yourself on somebody to get them to do something that you want in a managed way to get your own outcome and to use them, our world does that to us since the time we took our first breath. The world, the flesh, and the devil have abused us into a way of thinking about ourselves and the world. And just the same way distorted thinking happens when you've been in an abusive relationship, the world has done that. So there's a sense when we need to detox from that and kind of have some correction and some, some healing and some perspective. On your own, you won't naturally gravitate towards the heart of God because you hear so much the world's perspective to you about who you are, what you need. Even think about like how you understand your lifestyle how much money you should have, what your retirement should be about. Where is that being shaped primarily? Well, unless you're really intentional, it's being shaped from commercials. It's being shaped from your HR department. It's being shaped from your parents. It's being shaped from your peers that you're trying to compete with. You're shaping that perspective from, from the world. Now, if you're really intentional and you engage the scriptures, you'll see that God actually really cares about that and wants to help us actually heal and reorient a little bit. So, so praying the scriptures expands our perspective so that we know what matters to the heart of God. Right? So that we know, hey, COVID is not the primary deal. Your biggest concern, the scriptures would say to us, is not COVID and our response to COVID. That's not the biggest thing you should be worrying about. It is where you will spend eternity and what you do with Jesus based on that. It is whether or not I've trusted Christ to forgive me of my sins, to make a way for me to be right with the Father so that I spend eternity with him rather than separated from him underneath his wrath. That's the most important thing for me. Oh, man, and that's the most important thing for my friends and neighbors and my family. More than winning them to my opinion about some position, my big heartbeat ought to be what is most important. The scriptures are giving us perspective, expanding them, healing them, reorienting them. So as you pray through the scriptures, it has a way of shifting and changing your perspective. That's one. The scriptures also give us patterns and examples to pray. So things like the Psalms give us 
kind of templates or what it would sound like. How do I pray when I'm scared? How do I pray when I'm suffering? How do I pray when injustice has happened? How do I pray when I can see clearly God's mercy and grace and I can look backwards and go, man, you have been faithful. What would it sound like to pray that? So the Psalms are this amazing collection of 150 songs, hymns, poems. It's a pretty big deck of questions and cards to work through that you can just train your heart to sit in. So this morning, as I read the Psalms that I try to do every morning, nothing jumped out to me as really formative. But there was this moment where it was a call to actually engage with justice. And the psalmist is just going like, God, I trust you for what is like falling apart in the world around me. And it just for a moment like reminded me, man, I need to care about what is falling apart and ask for God to engage with that, right? It prompted me to go there. And I didn't have this acute thing I'm wrestling with. It wasn't like one situation that I had on my mind. But that verse opened up for me, man, God really cares about when wicked people prosper. And he tells me to pray actually for justice. And it prays some weird things. Like there's some Psalms that say, like, would you break the arms of the wicked? And you're like... I don't know if I should pray that. There's one that actually says, like, dash their baby's heads against a rock. And you're going, like, do, so don't do that. But, but here's the question. What is in that perspective? What's, what's happening in that pattern? Isn't it that, God, would you break the power? If arms represent the power, would you break the power of the wicked? And would you stop it from spreading? Would you break the lineage of the wicked so that it doesn't continue to grow in our world? Like, to think about evil that way is actually pretty dang helpful. Rather than, well, what's happening to me and my rights? Have those been violated? If not, I'm fine to think about what's happening around the world. Like God really cares about injustice. And the patterns give us not just the perspective, but they give us a way to actually engage. They're not exhaustive, but they're fairly comprehensive to help us engage with the heart of God. So when you're wondering, like, man, I don't even know what to pray. I sit down. I feel like they just hit the ceiling. I don't know what to do. To take the gift of God in his word and just pray those scriptures back to him is a really, really helpful way to grow. So the Psalms are specific prayers that you could just pray. You could ask, what is the psalmist feeling? Where do I feel that? What does he say? How can I say that? That's a pretty helpful little matrix there. What's they're experiencing? Where's that in my life? How do they say that? What would it sound like for me? And all of a sudden now I'm praying something quite a bit different than just this rote ritual that I might have fallen into as a rut with my prayer. When you come to the New Testament, if you're taking notes, let me just throw out some passages for you. I'll put this in the newsletter, which is a plug for that welcome card to get on our mailing list. I'll put it in the newsletter, but Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Colossians 1, 9 to 14. These are prayers in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 to 13. Philippians 1, 3 to 11. Jesus' prayer in John 17. And even this Lord's Prayer that we have in this text. What you'll see there is a perspective that gives us a pattern to actually pray. We actually prayed this Ephesians 3 passage a lot, that God would strengthen our inner man or woman so we have an increased capacity to understand how long and wide and deep and high is the love of God for us, and that would fill us with the fullness of Christ. So then just pray that. God, would you expand my understanding of how much you love me? That's a great prayer for you to pray, and it comes straight from that text, and you wonder, like, man, I don't want to sound performative. I don't want to sound like I'm being greedy. I don't want to sound too American or too materialistic. That's a great way for you 
to pray. And he goes on to saying, God, would you fill me with all the fullness of Christ? And you might even say, like, God, I don't even know what the fullness of Christ is, so would you teach me what the fullness of Christ is? So you can't lose on these things. So you pray, even if you don't know what it is, you go, God, I don't know what that is. Would you help me know what it is? And if you know what it is, then you can pray and ask God to give it to you. They are patterns for you to engage, right? So our Bible reading plan that we have working through the New Testament this year, it's on the back table. You can grab it. You can also download it from our website. It's a way for you just to get in the scriptures so that you hear these kinds of prayers and let that actually give you some patterns to pray. All right, so perspective patterns. Number three, it gives you particular things to pray. And I've kind of blurred this line a little bit, but to read the text, not just as patterns and examples, but all of the text so that I see what God's heart is, what he teaches, what is he calling me to obey, what's he calling me to turn from, what's he promising me, and taking those and making those prayers. Remember when we talked through Matthew chapter 5, we talked about Jesus didn't come to get rid of the law, but to actually fulfill it. And so we said, hey, we should actually engage the Old Testament and ask, why is that there? And what is God teaching me about Jesus? How does he fulfill this? Right? And we put that little cross chart up on the screen, and we asked these three questions. What does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about me? And what does it show me about my need for Jesus or my need for God? So just read the text and ask those questions and then just pray those answers back to God. So, so it gives you actually specific ways and things to pray. So, so uh, I was in, we're in John this week in that Bible reading plan. right? And we're in the section where he's interacting with lots of people. So you see him interact with Nicodemus. You see him interact with the woman at the well. So for me just to pray that, like, God, would you increase my compassion for people who have real questions and they're really hurting. I'm watching Jesus interact with this woman, and now I take that story there, and it gives me like particulars to pray. God, would you make me the kind of person who sits there? And, and she goes back and says, hey, Jesus told me everything I needed to do, and her whole town actually is converted. And so to pray from that section that God would actually grow a movement in our city where people encounter Jesus and they go and share that, try to spread the good news of, of the gospel with those who don't yet know. Like Those are prayers that just come from reading the text, right? So it gives us a perspective, it gives us a pattern, and it gives us particular things that we can pray. And then finally, it grows our personal way to pray. It grows our personal prayers, right? So it actually increases our capacity just as a person to relate to God. So, so I can talk to my kids, I can have a date with Adrian without this little pack of cards, I don't always like have it just like, well, let me ask one more interesting question and flip it over. I've actually learned how to ask some of those kinds of questions. Now, I still use it. I go, I go back to that. I haven't outgrown the need for help, but, but my understanding of how to relate has actually increased over time. So I'm not saying you can only pray the Scriptures. I am saying if you let the Scriptures give you a perspective and give you a pattern and give you particular things to pray about, that will affect your personal prayers. It'll affect how you see God, how you see yourself, and it'll train your heart to actually engage the heart of God. And the way Jesus just says, hey, you want to know how to pray? Pray like this. And he's going to talk about prayer a lot in the Sermon on the Mount, like to help us understand what it means to actually follow after God. So, so that little pack isn't an end to itself. It's a, a training ground. And if you were learning anything else, you would get a coach, you would get a trainer, you, you would ask for some help, you'd watch some YouTube videos, you would try to learn. And so I just simply want to put that in front of you as, as a way to kind of think about you growing. Where you're frustrated in prayer, I think if you could engage praying the scriptures, that would be helpful. So Don Whitney has a little book just called Praying the Bible. That's really, really helpful. It's really simple. It's really clear. I will link to it in the newsletter. It, it's a way for you to think about 
How do I grow in this understanding? And the same way we would say, hey, I'm going to get a coach or I'm going to get a trainer. Uh, I think our Thursday noonday prayer group is like a group training class, like a group exercise class. You're going to come to that thing and you're going to watch other people pray and hear them pray and learn how to pray, which uh, I'm really, really excited about that, gaining some ground for us and moving forward. And as I thought about how to help us, I thought about that Thursday prayer time and I thought, man, who is there regularly just interceding for us. Um, and it was really clear for me that Jackie Boat, Roxy Williams, and Sarah Gild will be really helpful voices for us. So those ladies are like a, a regular staple there. Charles Brown is there a ton. Our staff is in there as well. There's lots of you guys that participate in that. But these three ladies, I think they're there nine times out of ten. They love each other. And it's really, really fun for me to listen to them pray and feed off of each other. And I'm growing as I hear them. So I wanted you to get a chance to hear them. So let me ask Jackie to come up and Roxy to come up and Sarah to come up. Guys, make your way this direction. All right. Each get your own microphone. It's going to be fantastic. Um, all right, here's my, here's my hope. Um, you get to hear from me a lot. I think the scriptures would, would talk about spiritual fathers and mothers. I really want us as a body to hear from spiritual mothers on a regular basis. So again, you hear from me a ton. And so can we learn from people that are different? And all three of these women have a great deal of respect for each other. Uh, They have really different backgrounds and stories. They have different personalities. Uh, What God's done in their life has been pretty unique for the three of them. Uh, But they share this bond together. uh, And there's a heart for prayer they have that is, uh, friends, it's really beautiful for me just to watch you. And I feel like I grow when I'm with you. So, so we spent some time just going, okay, what would be helpful to share? Um, so we worked through a couple of questions for each of them uh, just to kind of ask. And so I'd love for you just to listen, take some notes uh, as, as they share. And I hope it feels practical to you about how I would actually move forward. Okay. All right. Deep breath. Everybody good? Okay. Hey, I think the question that we wrestled with of like, can you just start with like, what's been helpful to learn how to pray? What's shaped you as you've tried to grow over the years? Like, we said maybe if all three of you guys could answer that question, it would be a helpful way to start. So, so Jackie, would you, would you start? The question is, what's helped you learn how to pray? What have you engaged with as you've thought about growing there? And once you start, and then we'll just pass down, down the row. I think the reason, though, you're doing great. Um, I think the way I've learned to pray the most is out of need. Hmm. When I became a widow at 53, I really grew in my prayer life because I needed to know how to pray. And then I think churches have helped me a lot. In fact, in St. Louis, the last church I belonged to had a Wednesday night prayer group and Pastor Bill did a marvelous job with that. Sometimes we went so long, he would wait for more, for the Holy Spirit to move and we'd have more prayer and more prayer. We called it pot blessings night. (laughs) We brought food and so forth. And then even with Pastor Chris, I'm learning a lot more about prayer. And we want to continue learning about prayer and what to do. And I like the idea with the scriptures. So, and then also community Bible study. When I became a widow, a friend in, in Indianapolis told me, you need to get in a good Bible study. And I said, I work 60 hours a week. And she said, they have it at night. So I have been in Bible study fellowship or community Bible study ever since, 30-some years. So wait, just so I'm clear, you're saying studying the scriptures is helping you to learn how to pray? Yes. Interesting idea. Maybe we have a <laughs> half a sermon on that. Um, and then being in community. That's beautiful. Roxy, what, what would you say? How would you talk about how you've learned? Well, 
I think as you touched on uh, in the sermon that uh, knowing who you're praying to was probably the, the main thing for me, the main breakthrough. And uh, some of the things that I found helpful is uh, like uh, passages like Exodus 34, 6, where uh, God himself passes before Moses and proclaims, uh, proclaims himself as the great I am, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And then, of course, we, we know uh, different aspects of God, like he is the creator, the savior, uh, the very presence and power with us of the kingdom. And uh, I also uh, came across a book some time in the past that speaks the different uh, titles of God. In our scriptures, they usually just say God or Lord or God Almighty. But they're, in the original languages, they're more descriptive. Uh, the God who sees me and, and knows me and cares about me. Or uh, the God who provides when he provided the, the ram for Abraham instead of uh, sacrificing Isaac. So it's been helpful to me to think of the different aspects and attributes of God. To know more who I'm talking to and and what he's, his heart and mind is inclined to do so that I can uh, know better how to address him, how to praise him, and how to ask things that will be according to his will. That's good. So you can even like Google like names of God. What, what Roxanne's saying is that throughout the scriptures, God reveals himself and just says, I am Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. I am Jehovah Nisi, the God who's your banner. So like to, to give these names and that shapes what we're asking. Uh, Russ, can I ask you to just take like one more baby step for us? Like, can you give us an example? Uh, like, just say like, so God's the God who provides. Um, how would you pray that? Or how, what would it sound like for you in light of his name being the God who provides? What's like in a couple of sentences, how that would shape your prayers? Uh, well, recently, for several months actually, um, I've been trying to find a different house to rent. And it got so long and frustrating, I even started looking to buy instead. And so, you know, I think of God as one who's going to provide a place for us that is suitable, that is safe, that, you know, uh, falls into the, the main categories. But when he was going to do it, and how he was going to do it, through whom he was going to do it, those remained mysteries. And, but I know he is the God who provides, and I know, you know, that applies especially spiritually for his children, but it also applies to our daily needs. And uh, so that was, you know, one of the things that helped encourage me to keep going and lean on him and not use. There are places I could have got into sin and got into a place without, you know, divulging full information, for instance. But uh, he really, you know, kept working with me. No, just, just keep waiting, keep praying, keep doing the things that I knew how to That's do great. because he will provide. Good. So just saying, God, this is who you are. So I'm asking you to do this. And you just kept going. That's good. Right. Thanks for that. Sarah, how would you answer that? Like, what's helped kind of shape how you've learned how to pray? What's been helpful to you as you've engaged learning to pray? Um, I, I met God um, as I read the Psalms. And I, if you read the Psalms, 
realizes people are not pretending. Um, they're asking things like, how long, O Lord? Um, in Psalm 73, he's saying, here's who, what you have been to Israel, but my feet almost stumbled when I saw the prosperous ways of the arrogant. Um, uh, why have these people betrayed me? These people weren't pretending, and it felt, oh, this is a place where I just come as I am, and I meet with God. So the most helpful thing for me was a place of, I don't have to pretend. There's so many places in life where there's certain things you have to be and certain things you have to do, and I just came. And as I just came, the real God met the real me. And I think that has been really transformative for me. So the Psalms have been super helpful. And I mean, this is not an advertisement for Thursday noon prayer, but it is, God has formed me and changed me as I sit literally with my hands open in prayer with other people. And I hear them cry out their need to God. It has changed me and formed me in really profound ways. That's good. Yeah, good. Jack, let's come back to you. Uh, we talked about, I'd love to hear you share, um, like, what you actually do when you pray. Like, what does it actually look like if we were kind of watching the videotape there? What, what are you doing when you're praying? Okay, I get up very early, but I go to bed pretty early, too. <laughs> and I go straight to my prayer chair, which is in the family room. And on the footstool is my Bible and my journal. And, the th and then there's a little container at the side with some devotionals. And what I do first is read the Bible reading that we have scheduled out there. I read that out of my Bible and try to look at those scriptures and see what God's saying to me. Then I get out these devotionals. I'm very particular which ones I get. And I think they're good people. Like, well, I won't go into the names. But anyway, I read those. And they are talking about scripture and, and telling me different things. And then I usually lay three or four to the side, maybe even five that really spoke to my heart. Then I get out the journal, and I start praising God first. I spend time and write out praises for him. And then I start um, taking these devotionals and jotting down a certain thing that I learned that day or that I feel God is putting on my heart. So that's what I do in the a.m. Then in the afternoon, I have a prayer time where I use the, the Lord's Prayer as an outline. And when I get to give us this day our daily bread, that's when I get out my little outline of prayer requests. And if you've been needing a prayer from our church, your name's probably on that list because I do that, our church family as well as my own family. And so that's what I pray for. I pray for our nation. I pray for our, our government, and et cetera, et cetera. But I have an eight and a half by 11, and maybe every two or three months I redo that and, and uh, change some of those. That's my afternoon prayer time. Then before I go to bed, I have memorized six or seven scriptures that I usually will repeat and think about. Thank God for the day and just a few things. I don't spend a lot of time at that time of the night because I'm usually tired by then. But it's kind of a three-way time that I pray. That's good. What I love about that is you've got different kinds of ways that you pray, different things you do different times. And like uh, Jackie's a little bit of a ninja when it comes to this, right? So you've been praying for a long time. Uh, so when you hear five devotionals, start with one. When you hear seven <laughs> scriptures, start with half a verse. Like just take some, take some baby steps. But it's an amazing model to go. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. And then I'd regular, I just stop during the day and I work my way through the Lord's Prayer, ask Him to meet me there. And then I close my day 
with that. So um, it's like watching the Olympics. Like, don't go like, I could never do that. You're right. You can never do that. But you could t- take some steps towards something healthy. So, so thank you for sharing that. Um, Roxy, I'd love to hear you talk about um, like what role prayer plays in your life. Uh, we talked about like how you learned how to pray, but like how does it shape? What, what role does it play actually in your day-to-day life? Well, when I was very young, a child, and uh, started to do my own praying, <laughs> most of the prayers that went on in my church were of the language that came from the King James Bible. So that's what I thought you had to pray, like thee and thou and we beseech thee and that sort of thing. Uh, of course, as I you know, got a little older and uh, things changed and modernized, I realized you can talk to God in what is your language? I mean, you don't want to be pretentious with him. You just want to talk in your everyday language to him. You want to show respect, of course, but, you know, you need to be, as he mentioned, you know, he is the God of the universe who has all the the power and deserves all the respect, but he's also our heavenly father, and he he delights in us coming to him. So it's been a learning process, and it's uh, shaped me in different ways at different times. I um, I know there was a time when I was not walking close to the Lord and about the only thing I could pray would was, you know, take care of my kids. Whatever else mm-hmm. you do or don't do, just take care of my kids and keep them safe. And uh, the time when I uh, was in a car wreck and broke this big bone in the top of my leg and it, it hurt a lot. <laughs> you know, about the only thing I could say was, oh God, please, <laughs> you know. So at different times and different ways, I, I've learned to to pray, and uh, you know, it's um, it affects my attitude, it affects my perspective, um, you know, and and I've learned that you know God just delights in hearing from us, whether it's a praise or a request or you know, it, like any relationship, you need to spend time talking and getting to know each other and and how you can depend on him. So uh, now I can't even imagine that I would have any any peace in life or any assurance or any anchor with without my prayer life. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what stabilizes me. That's what encourages me. That's what keeps me going. I love it. I've experienced you as a woman who actually believes God cares and you like really think he wants to hear what you want to pray about, and you expect him to act. Um, it's really beautiful to like, just see. It's like just part of how you see the world is, of course, there's a guy who's in control, and of course, he wants to hear what I need, and of course, he's going to help. Um, I, I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Sarah, could you talk about what's been difficult for you when it comes to prayer? Like, what's, what's hard about prayer for you? Um, disappointment. I asked and I asked, and God said no. Mm. And how do I reckon with um, what it looks like to ask with an open heart, with actually asking and pleading with God to do that when I feel disappointment? Because I feel tempted to withdraw and um, protect when I feel disappointed. And in case you're wondering, God has not said yes to a lot of things. And so um, I, I feel like my mom is a testimony 
to this kind of persevering prayer and ask, just continuing to ask with an open heart year after year after year after year. And um, coming before the Lord in that kind of way, um, she has modeled for me what it looks like to just keep asking even when I'm disappointed and to allow God to meet me in my disappointment because I'm not the first, we're praying the scriptures, I'm not the first person who's been disappointed. And I certainly will not be the last. That's good. Thank you. Jackie, could you answer that same question? Like what's, what's hard for you about prayer? I think sometimes just finding the time and, and setting it aside because we find busy work and things that aren't so important. And so I really make sure I have the time to do it and, and take time to do it too. So. Okay, I'm glad you said that because it sounded like you're going like, I got, I'm all day long, I'm just praying <laughs> like crazy. Um, but that's a discipline that you've cultivated. You're like, yeah, hey, I get up early to pray. I yes. take time at noon to pray. I, so you've blocked off that. So what's hard is actually making the time. Right, sometimes it is. Hey, that's comforting. <laughs> if you're going like, why is it so easy for Jackie and not for me? Uh, She's crafted that. Uh, thank you for sharing that. That's helpful. Roxy, what would you say? Like, what, what's been hard about prayer? What's dif- most difficult for you? I think one of the things is keeping it fresh. You know, when you, when you pray for a particular thing or person, you know, over and over for the long haul. I think, you know, sometimes I'm just like, okay, here's my list, Lord. <laughs> and then I get convicted that that's, you know, if I'm not caring more about it than that, how can I approach God, even though he does? Uh, it's not a good attitude to pray in. And so some of the things that I've found helpful for that is uh, if I'm not really feeling engaged in what I'm asking for, um, I try to, to search my mind for what is something at the moment that's more fresh for me. And, and starting in those areas kind of helps that flow from there. Or uh, I also find it particularly helpful to, to praise and thank God first. You get yourself in more the, the mindset and in, you know, more of a close relationship with him. Uh, then that helps, uh, you know, encourages your thoughts and feelings towards others and, and knowing what he wants to do, what he has done, what he promises to do. So that, that also... Uh, then I think the third thing is like uh, when she's saying she's disappointed and all of us had those prayers and, and you know I've heard people say sometimes God's answer is wait, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's yes. Uh, I think also I have to learn to expand my looking for what God is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, He may not be answering this specific thing in a specific way, but He's working something in me. You know, he's working his attributes in me. Or he's not healing that person because he's working another work in that family, perhaps. So I need to to broaden to see what he is doing and what his answers are. Because they're not always as limited as my request is. (laughs) That's right. That's really helpful. And I love what you're saying. You're saying sometimes I'm trying to pray what I'm supposed to be praying about, but my mind's just not there. So I just go where my mind is. Uh, what if God was like sovereignly directing your daydreaming and that thing that's on your heart's coming out as you slow down for a second and you're anxious about it, but you're supposed to be praying about your kids, but your mind's on work or something else. What if you just saw that as a prompt from the Holy Spirit to go, let me just pray about work. It's where my mind's at. Let me just go there. Um, 
there's probably some limit to that when it's on like Netflix and things too far, but um, then you can pray about your Netflix usage and how many often you're watching that. Okay. Hey, thank you. That's really helpful. Sarah, let me give you the last question here. Um, maybe just like an open-ended, like, what's something that you like want us to understand, or want us to know, uh, as you think about kind of, if you guys are just spiritual moms kind of instructing the family, what's, what's something you wish we understood about prayer as we, as we cap this session? Um, that he delights to be with you. Um, Psalm 1 talks about that our delight is in the law of the Lord, but we see also the amazing good news of the gospel is that he actually moved heaven and earth to come be with us. And so he loves to meet with us. And you don't have to be all buttoned up and neat and tidy to meet with him. You come and he delights to be with us. And if we could understand God our Father like that, um, as a father with like, if you could picture like wide open arms, mm-hmm. just waiting for you to run to him, um, that is what I would love for us to see prayer as all those other things, but see that. I love that. Hey, would you just pray like 15, 20 seconds about that for us? And then we'll, then we'll stop here. God, you are a good father. And um, Jackie, Roxy, and I all have a testimony of how you have met us as we have come to be with you. Would you show us, would you grow us, would you um, give us deep assurance of your love for us and your delight in us as your sons and daughters? In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, would you give them a hand? Thank you. Okay, hey, I want to direct us to communion at this point, but before I do that, can I ask you just to like take a second, like what stood out to you? Maybe capture a thought as an encouragement that was maybe reorienting the way you're thinking about it, something that you feel like you're longing for. Just take a second. Just kind of what, what was that? What did you hear? Um, just capture that thought for one moment. Okay, I want us to go to communion this way. Um, I want us to grow and learn about prayer. Um, But God is not pleased with you because you learn how to pray. He doesn't love you because of your abilities to pray. Communion reminds us that we can relate to God because of his sacrificial death through his son on the cross for us. So it's appropriate to just, as all we've heard this, to go out now, I want to move forward, to stop and go, hey, I'm only moving forward because God's made a way through the death of his son, Jesus, and his atoning sacrifice for my sin to make it possible for me to actually relate to him as his adopted child, not someone who's underneath his wrath. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to take communion kind of as your first application and and let that be a way that you actually commune with God. Thank him for what he's done. But remember, you're not able to go to God because you're great at praying. You're able to go to God because he came all the way to you. Because of that, you have lots of hope about how you go forward. And so I thought about Hebrews chapter 10. It says in verse 19, he says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, you can actually have access to God because of his blood shed on the cross by the new and living way that he opened up to us through the curtain that was his flesh. It was his broken body. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus himself, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Christians, I would invite you to take communion just to declare, I can pray because of what Christ has done. He's made it possible. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would love to you just to pray in where you are. Ask for God to speak to you. Then again, there's some prayers in the back of your worship guide. You, you can pray to God and ask for his help. If you're ready this morning to trust him, I would invite you to do that. And then we can talk afterwards. And you can take communion this morning. If you're trusting Jesus and what he did on the cross to forgive you your sins, to make a way for your adoption and you to be in a relationship with him, that man, run to Jesus this morning. And for all those who are already doing that, let's take communion together. We'll celebrate that. Then we'll sing one more song and we'll be dismissed. If you didn't grab communion elements, there's some in the back of the room there and also some here in the front. Let me pray for us and we'll take communion and then we'll sing quickly. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Thanks that you made a way for us to draw near to the Father because you came all the way to us and it's through your broken body and shed blood that we have access. We worship you for that reality. Speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. Leeway Baptist Church exists to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information about us and our ministry, please visit us at www.leewoodbaptist.com.